Welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast. I'm here to coach you in the word. Today we're looking into has the river moved? What caused it to move and who moved it to begin with? And uh, we're going to start today with a scripture from Psalms chapter 1 and begin today's lesson from there. I want to welcome all of you from around the world who listen to us, those of you who listen to us through Mike Springston FFC podcast, uh, Lift Him Higher Radio, Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook post. We appreciate every one of you. We want to remind you, you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com. MikeSpringstonMinistry.com, FFCMA.org, and through Family Fellowship Chapel's uh, Facebook messaging. So we would love to hear from you, comments, uh, questions, whatnot, we'd love to hear from you. Let's begin today with Psalms chapter 1. Uh, verse 1 through 6. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in due season. His leaves shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall uh, perish. Now, we were tracking the movement of the church, uh, and while we're doing that, I, I it's necessary that I mention um, the time uh, when the Holy Spirit um, was released in this country. In the movement that became known as the Azusa Street Revival, God began to manifest himself to the people. Now, what we're talking about here is, has the river moved, and who moved it anyway? This Azusa Street Revival was is a renowned landmark in the spiritual revival and the spiritual renewal that was sweeping across this country. Soon, this Azusa Street became the place to be if you wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and if you wanted to experience an encounter with God. This move resulted in people gathering in houses later on around the country to experience and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The organizations that we know of as the Church of God, the Assembly of God, and the International Pentecostal Holiness Organizations are all uh, offshoots of this great movement, as well as charismatic and Pentecostal churches around the country and around the world. The outcome of that event was that the events associated with the day of Pentecost, of course, were released into the American culture. Now, what was the outcome of that? Well, it was the same as it was for those who experienced the great healing ministries. Yes, it was met with opposition, and it was met with rejection. 
God was extending his hand in America and all of a sudden churches began to preach against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They began to preach against healing. They taught people that in spite of what was visual and apparent in the lives of those who were experiencing the manifestation of the Spirit, that that move and that act was really not for our day in many cases. And certainly, based on one preacher that I just heard within the last month, many today teach that this experience is not an experience of God. It is not an experience for today, and it is demonic in nature. Now, I want to go on record here saying to you, I believe none of that. I don't think any of that is germane to truth. I think it is an experience of God. I think it is an experience of our day. As a matter of fact, I think that it is one of the three works that the Holy Spirit does in the development of mankind. And if you're following along with me, you will be seeing that I'm teaching on the development of the inner man because I believe the Word of God teaches that the Holy Spirit allows the eternal Jesus to come alive on the inside of you. He's in you. I believe that the Holy Spirit works a work upon you as He develops the inner man within you to be able to operate in the seven spirits of God. Then I believe the Holy Spirit completes an operation on you as the Holy Spirit begins to manifest in you the gifts of the Spirit that bring you into the ministry where you can be a witness unto Him. So is it for our day? Absolutely, without question. However, in man's intellect, in man's own drive to be able to say our way is right, we rejected it, we preached against it, we've turned against it, we don't want it, we don't believe it. So, in the healing ministry that was allowing the power of God to minister to the physical needs of men, we rejected it. Now, before that, the Azusa Street Revival brought about the power of God to minister to the spiritual needs of man, and we rejected it. So God had reached out to this country in both the spiritual meeting and the physical meeting, and we rejected both of them. Now, friends, the world and the lost were not the ones doing the rejecting. The lost and the world were not the ones saying there is no baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were not the ones saying that there is no physical healing, that that is past, that that is not for today. No, friends, the church is the one that moved the river. The church is the one that rejected it. It was done by those who refused to do the simple thing Jesus taught, which was to ask Him, seek Him, and knock until He answered and do it for themselves. These moves, these teachers, these preachers, these intellectually educated Well, they rejected these moves out of jealousy. 
They rejected these moves because they saw finances being diverted into ministries that were ministering to countless thousands and even millions of people. Now you know no local leader wanted money to be taken from their local church to support such an outlandish behavior. So what did the church do? Well, listen what we did. We went about wrongly dividing the word of truth. We taught in direct opposition to what all of the writers of the Scripture gave us as the, the manual for the eternal economy of God concerning godly living and godly experiences. This caused a division. And when the Word of God is wrongly transmitted, it will always cause a division. Another gospel will always cause people to gravitate towards what is more convenient, easier to palate. Now this division began in the church. There are those who teach that the Word of God, look at this, is all that is required. You don't need the Spirit of God. Why would you need the Spirit? You have His Word. If you want to hear from God, let me tell you what you do. Read the Word. If you want to hear from Him, for sure, just read it louder. Huh, how foolish. They say we can do what Jesus did in Matthew 4 and use the Word of God to drive off the devil. And that would be true, my friend, if we knew the Word of God as well as Jesus and if we knew it better than the devil, but we don't. Therefore, God provided a source for our help, for our comfort, and for our encouragement. God provided a source to lead us and guide us into the depths of truth. He provided a source that would be called alongside to help us, to help us discern the Word of God, discern spiritual things. You know what we did? We rejected Him. We rejected Him at every turn. We rejected the move of the Spirit. We rejected the move of healing. We rejected all of those that were involved with it. Now, I want to go and tell you, that the Azusa Street was, was begun by an African-American man. We rejected the ministry that came through Brother Seymour. Then the healing ministry was brought about predominantly by A.A. Allen, Oral Roberts, and uh, a couple of other great men, Kenneth Hagin, and a few other great men. And we rejected their ministry. Rejection does not have a skin tone applied to it. Did you hear what I said? The rejection is not the rejection of skin tone, my friend. It is the rejection of God Almighty's opportunities, giving us opportunities to come into the knowledge of the Spirit, apply the Spirit in the physical, take the Word and the Spirit and be able to use it and appropriate the two of them in our life. Now, he was, uh, these, this Holy Spirit is given to us as a source to help us, comfort us, and encouragement. How could he do that? Well, he knew the works and ways of God. He was committed to show us the things we did not know and show us what to speak. 
That's what Jesus said he would do. He was committed to speak directly to us what Christ Jesus needed us to know concerning how to live the life of being more than an overcomer. But the general church made a decision to reject his instruction. Now watch what happened. This rejection deepened the gap now between the church and the world. The church found no means to manifest the power and the presence of God to the lost. So they stood, opened their mouth, and began to run off at the jaw. The ministry became very intellectual. It became uh, very uh, verbal in nature. We developed rhythmical tones to try to draw people into the entertainment of it. But there was no power. There was no presence of God. We developed uh, liturgies and we developed yearly sermon structures that we could repeat year after year after year. And frankly, the world got tired of it. People stopped coming to church. They stopped wanting to go to church. Why? Because they got nothing out of it. Because it did nothing for them, either on a spiritual plane or a physical plane. What did we do? What did the church do with this? Well, we begin to hand out salvation as if it were candy being handed out at a children's party. There was no need for the works of grace in the life of a believer. There was no need to be transformed. There was no need to know or live in the Spirit. There was no change of lifestyle. There was no need to do anything but say, Hey, I'm a Christian. Let me bounce the bouncing ball across the room. The result, my friend, has been catastrophic to the church. We've cheapened the Christian life until it can be lived absent of church. It can be lived without the teaching of the truth of the Scripture. And it also can be lived without assembling oneself for worship. With the component of the church removed, people created and set their own boundaries. They structure their lives as they see fit without the Word of God and without the Spirit of God to serve as the training and development device. They intellectually go through life with no inner training, with no development of the inner man, and they set the rules. According to the world, God is good, and He will take everyone to heaven. Get what you can, do what you can to have what you want in the here and the now. Regardless of how you get it, regardless of who you step on, step over, or snuff out in order to get it. Do it your way because in the end, when it's all said and done, you're going to go to heaven just like everybody else because you said you believed in God. So then we have to deal with the question. Why are churches declining? Who moved the river? Well, the real question is, now that all of this has been propagated, what good is the church? Where does being in church to find the truth come into play when the truth is so easily identified? I can make it up for myself. I can live a lifestyle however I want because God is too good. And in the end run, he'll forget all about my sin and everybody else's sin and take us all to heaven. Huh. 
God is so much in love with me. And then that made the church irrelevant. Why? Because its message is inconsistent. However, if we have learned anything from the church, anything the world has learned from the church, it would be that regardless of our lifestyle, regardless of the condition of our spirit man, regardless of our actions and behaviors, God is good. He loves me, and I'm all right in His sight. Yes, my friend, they've learned that He gets us. Let's look a bit more into the things that the church has taught that's caused the river to be moved. Now, I hope you see where I'm coming from. All of these things I'm talking about are things that have moved the river because the church has moved the river. The river would still be flowing in the direction it had been on the course that it was going if man and his intellect had not gotten involved. Had we remained in the Scripture, had we developed our inner man to come into coordination with him, the Bible said, all things would have then worked together for good to those who love the Lord. But we chose not to do that. We chose to choose a direction that included everybody, accepted everybody, tolerated everybody, and told everybody as they looked at their loved one in the casket for whatever reason they were in the casket, well, you'll see them again in heaven someday. What a shame. What a mixed message. What's happened to the church? The church has been so inconsistent with the message that the world says you're no longer relevant. So the intent now, let's look at another uh, idea. There was a movement that said we could take the Word of God, I mentioned it to you earlier, and use the Word of God to drive off the devil and to bring about all of the prosperity that we so chose. That we could just, just uh, memorize the Word of God as if we were memorizing a poem and use that Word of God to our benefit. That, my friend, became something, now I want you to hear this, that was used against God as well as Satan. What do you mean by that, Pastor Mike? Well, watch how they did it. As far as God is concerned, we used His Word, we moved the river to use His Word to manipulate Him and demand His blessings. We taught such things as a prosperity gospel. We taught such things as the healing gospel that worked at our command. Not a gospel that, that of healing that flowed because our inner man was in unison and coordinated with him. And the spirit man, through our coordinated worship, was ministering Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, to continue the job and the work that he began to do and to teach. No, it was at our command because we could take the Word of God and we could shout it long enough and we could say it long enough and we could memorize it long enough and we could put it into rhythm long enough until we held the power over God. Because, you know, God honors His Word. We use the Scripture to attempt to place God at the edge of the Red Sea of our life. 
You know the place where it was critical, where we had to have something done. We had to have a healing. We had to have money. We had to have whatever for the edge of the Red Sea and use his word against him to cause him to part the waters and divide a blessing to us. Our ministry used this very topic and very thing in so many ways. One of them was in financing. The other might have been in the way that you were taught to appropriate your faith. We were taught that we could bundle up our faith and put it into action upon anything that we desired. They used Mark 11. That was the theme of this experience, that we had the power of expression and we could speak to anything in His name and it would obey. There was the name it and, and claim it, blab it and grab it teaching, all saying that faith was at our command. It was the existence of many believers. It's the way many believers functioned their life for years. And it served to make some people in ministry very rich. But in reality, it did very little for the common man. We had the power of expression and we could speak anything in His name. And whatever we spoke to because we used the name of Jesus, that would obey us. My friend, I cannot tell you in my lifetime how many non-believers, absolutely overt people, who were living outward lives full of sin, full of unholiness, full of unrighteousness, talk in terms of what God would do for you in Jesus' name. Well, all of these things that I were command without understanding, the necessity for the relationship of the Word of God and the Spirit of God in our life. Faith was to be considered as a tool in the arsenal of the believer. That faith would manipulate. Uh, the, the believer would use it to manipulate, bring wealth, and all of the prosperity that that believer could ever need. It was the existence of many for years, and it served to make some rich. In this regard, my friend, who moved the river? Did the world move the river? Or did the world just learn that the church moved the river? And because of faulty teaching, because of faulty instruction, because of misrepresentation, because of misunderstanding, they fell into using the very thing that we were teaching because we were not teaching them of any transformative gospel that had to be understood and undertaken through the Spirit of God before this thing could be called into service. Oh my. Who moved the river? Then our focus moved on to the external event. Now watch this. We became big external worshipers. All of this resulted in an external emotion. So we had churches dancing and jumping and shouting. We had people jumping up uh, on top of pulpits and, 
get bouncing around like dogs and barking and howling like dogs and wolves, my Lord. Then we had the bangers who would come to church and jump and bounce off of each other. We had the, the, those that would just stand and jump and jump and jump. Well, we, we became almost a, a rock concert. The atmosphere was like it was a rock concert. We sang new style songs. We eliminated all of the music that had served to develop the church. We removed the altars. We gathered to sway, sing, and praise our way into an emotional high. The music, the music, and the beat of the sound resonated in our ears and reverberated in our chest. It became a sound that became a comfort and brought a contentment for the worshiper to such an extent that it limited and in some instances eliminated preaching and teaching because worship was so exhaustive. Worship was so wonderful that it eliminated the necessity of the training and teaching of the Word of God. Now the verbal with the music when placed in the mind of the intellect, when it became in the mind of the intellect, became almost an ejaculate to the mind. In other words, it caused the mind, the intellect, to co go along with it, correspond with it, coincide with it, to get into it until it brought them into a state of rapture. The beat so satisfied the hearer that nothing else would or could satisfy their need to be entertained. This was literally, literally, my friend, music to the ears of him who was created to serve that purpose in heaven. Why? Because through a desire for a deeper spiritual relationship with God, man had turned to the style of worship that was generated by Lucifer. Now, watch this. When Jesus defeated Lucifer, he did it with the Word of God. If the music brings about the rapture of euphoria that eliminates the Word of God, that places man into a, an emotional position of being enraptured in his mind, then the enemy has successfully taken the very instrument that Jesus used to defeat him and eliminated it from the church. Now, exercising this through this means would let us lead us to believe that the Lucifer style, now watch it now, the Lucifer style became the object of worship and not the one to whom worship was to be given. Listen again, exercising music in this way means that Lucifer's style became the object of worship and not the one to whom worship, not the one to whom was supposed to be the object of our worship, Jesus Christ, him crucified, him buried, him resurrected, him as the high priest, us as priest with him, him as Lord over everything, heaven, hell, and earth, and him as our man in the Godhead seated 
all of that to be our object of worship was eliminated because we chose the rapture of music. So in many modern churches, he's accomplished his goal, friend, to be worshipped and sit on the throne of men's hearts, soul, in soulish worship, intellectually driven into a euphoric rapture. What a sad state. My friend, yes, 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 the river moved. The river moved now. There's no doubt about it. The river has moved. The river moved away from the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, the direction of the Word of God. The river moved away from the move of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. It moved away from all of that, and we're going to look into the charismatic movement in our next section. But yes, the river has moved. How come the river moved? Who moved it? It wasn't the world. It wasn't the world. It wasn't the lost. It was not. It was the church. That's the sad commentary. It was the church. We moved it. We did it in order to attempt to aid, listen to what I'm saying, to aid God in His ability to minister to our culture. We did it in an attempt to help God appropriate Himself to His people. We did it often in, in, in the best of intentions, but never understanding that the enemy of our soul, the enemy who attacked Jesus Christ, that enemy is a deceiver. And what he has deceived the church into has brought the church into the day where the church is in, inconsistent, where the church moves from one flow into another. But the Word of God said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm God, and I change not. But the intellect of man has brought us into a day when the world would look at us and say, God loves me just like he loves you. There's no bed, you're no better than me, you're no different than me. Don't judge me because he gets us. Father, I thank you for the word. May your people hear. May the ministry of the word, may the ministry of the spirit become real and alive in the hearts and lives of your people. May we get the river turned back to the place that the river flows from, the throne room of God, from where the Lamb oversees this great river. We bless you today in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. May God bless you as you study His Word. Be blessed. Jesus is Lord. Talk to you soon.